Hey everyone, it's Ella, your host of the Lemon Said Podcast, a platform dedicated to supporting you by discussing all things related to managing your health, wellness, and fitness journey, no matter how many lemons life throws at you. Trigger warning. This episode contains discussions of traumatic events, including depression, anxiety, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. If you feel distressed or require resources, please visit thelemonsaid.com under resources for 24-hour helplines, and please stay safe. Today, we have another special episode that I'll forever hold close to my heart. You will hear from a motivating and vitalizing Scarborough girl turned woman. She's real, she's raw, and I am honored to not only know this woman, but I was fortunate enough to receive her love and support over the course of my life as she was the big sister I never had. As a woman who carries herself with modesty and awareness, she managed to complete her undergraduate program in nursing at Ryerson University, now known as Toronto Metropolitan University. Excel in the corporate world despite burnout, depression, anxiety, and suicide ideations. Currently, she is an outstanding associate. This role allows her to live a balanced and healthy life as a loving wife and mother of two kids. So, without further ado, let's hear from one of the most amazing people I know, Jacqueline Cummings. Thank you so much for joining us on the Lemon Said podcast. Um, For those who don't know, this is a very special episode to me because of my personal relationship with Jacqueline. And we're going to start with a few rapid fire questions. Book or podcast? Podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Score one. (laughs) Have you ever pulled a prank on someone? Yes. Probably your brother. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fresh food or fried food? Mm, Fresh food. Fresh food, okay. Money or happiness? Happiness. Awesome. When life throws you lemons. You make lemonade. Yeah. (laughs) So to that, I say we have a toast (laughs) with our lemonade. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) And now we can dive into our real session. So again, thank you so much. That was a little fun getting to know you for our audience. Um, Now we're going to get into the meat of this interview. So we're going to start with what is your favorite hobby or what are you most passionate about? I'm most passionate about exercising, (laughs) being active. Um, You know, I make that as part of my um, self-care throughout my day. It gives me, it's time to myself where I can kind of, you know, digress, think about, you know, what's clear my head of what's going to uh what's ahead of the day for me and kind of just being able to again just let loose challenge myself to whatever uh, you know workout challenges i'm set for the day um i'm currently working towards a 42k marathon good for you and i just ran my 13 my first 13k non-stop last sunday okay i was pretty i honestly i only ran up to 5k ever and before my, that, you mean before that, and um, you know, kind of challenged myself over the weekend and did 13k and was quite ambitious and said, Let's do a marathon. I'm like, okay, good for you, yeah, this congratulations! Is year, yeah, this is the year of the yes for me, so amazing. So, how never it, done it before. How did it feel after the 13k? Yeah, felt awesome, felt good. so good because 
you know, you always think, well, at least for myself, I'm like, okay, I can only do 5k, but can you really do like, it's just, it's just a battle with your mind. Exactly. Right. A mental barrier. A mental barrier. So like, you know, when, when I was running with my part, my running partner, I, I basically said, or he kind of challenged me and basically said, let's just keep going. So we kept going. We started off at 5.30 and we ended up at the halfway point an hour later. Wow. Um, so just at Ajax to um, Liverpool where the uh, lighthouses are. And then we ran all the way back. So there and back, 13K, two hours. Wow. Insane. And it felt awesome. It felt awesome to get to the halfway point where you saw the sunrise because when we started it was dark and and then to run back and see just everything was beautiful yeah it was really good and to be honest I was you know I don't want to swear but I was so proud of myself because it's it's different running by yourself like today I was running by myself and I stopped and I'm like I in my mind I'm like I you you know you could do it Mm -hmm. but when you're with other individuals that are running and have the same kind of passion you kind of push yourself it's more motivating it's totally more motivating and it's more fun sometimes too right yeah do you talk while you're running no, I'm listening to music and okay. trying to hype myself. So they're up. just there beside you. Uh, yeah, they're just beside me. Right. Yeah. Well, no, sorry. On this past weekend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, we were catching up. We haven't seen each other in a while, so we we're catching up on like what's new and our new job while opportunities you're while we're running. How yeah. do you? <laughs> and how's it going? <laughs> I mean, we're running at a pretty steady space, right? Uh, pace because he can run faster than me and okay. I, I can't like especially going uphill I'm it's really hard on my knees mm-hmm. so we're just taking it at a moderate pace and then just we're gonna work our way through so 42k in October I'm oh down my for goodness October is gonna be relatively cold too so yeah you know, you know what it's actually easier to run when it's cooler oh I always yeah. thought it was harder because I have a hard time breathing and when yeah. it's cold okay I, I mean everyone's different and t- and to be honest today when it was raining I ran on the treadmill and I'm like I I thought running on a treadmill would be easier than outside. Right. It's actually the reverse for me. I find it easier running outside than on the treadmill now. Interesting. So interesting how the body that's works. Awesome. But that's yeah. good for you because yeah. you're training your body to yeah. get prepared for that. So yeah. good for you. Yeah. If you had to write a book, what would it be about? Oh, boy. Running. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be about, you know, the value of being present mm. with your family with your friends, not thinking too much about the objective goals that you have, you know, really identifying what's important to you, um, then having to kind of want these monetary items and whatnot, because it's not who justifies you as an individual, at least in my perspective. And, you know, I've come to learn that happiness is much more worth than money. Absolutely. Yeah. Which... You know, when I asked you earlier, money or happiness, you didn't have to think twice. It was just easy. Easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it took a it took a while to realize that, but I'm glad, you know, you did. Uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good for you. What inspires you most and why? You know, it's my husband and my children. Um, It's, you know, you hear people say it and you kind of, you know, a little bit cliche it might be but for me they are my reason why you know i i get up in the morning and i try to do things for them and you know not only not only um just to make them happy but seeing them happy makes, makes me happy, happy and just yeah. makes the day like you know so um they are my reason why 
That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And just for our viewers, how many kids do you have? I have two kids. Uh, my daughter, Malia, is eight and Colton is four, turning five. And yeah. they are super adorable. <laughs> <laughs> do you believe that you are the same person that you were in comparison to when you were in your 20s? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Um, you know, you grow. You you're growing every day. You're learning from your experiences. Who I was when I was 20 is not who I am today. Um, you know, I might have same same mindsets, same qualities, same characteristics, but my viewpoints in life have completely shifted for the better. Um, and, you know, everyone's going to go through that, right? You learn through through the experiences and those challenges that makes you who you are today. So, right. you know... If I could, ch everyone always says, if you could change back time, would you? And, you know, part of me sometimes says I would, but then it wouldn't make me who I am today. Right. So, you know, although there have been some challenging times, I am grateful for them because one, you learn from them and two, it's just made it, it's just structure. It, God's made that path for you for a reason. And so, you know, I'm just here being grateful for all the experiences I've had. Right. Yeah. And it, with regards to some of the, the challenges that shaped who you are today, mm -hmm. is there any specific moment um, or, or many, maybe more than one, but is there any specific challenge that you can look back on that, you know, it was kind of a turning point in your life and you're like, something's got to change? Um, there are a few, but they all kind of stem back to my relationship with my father. Mm. So, you know, growing up in a household where my parents were divorced was certainly challenging. Growing up, having to kind of be there to support my mother, be there to be the quote unquote parent for my brother, you know, and then try to manage my own life growing up. So, um, you know. There are certainly a lot of challenges uh, that were pivotal points in my growth, um, but it ultimately does stem back to when my, you know, that my childhood years when my, my parents were divorced. Yeah. Right. And how old were you when your parents initially divorced? To be honest, I can't remember. I, I want to say in around 16, but I could be wrong, but so teen, teen years. Yeah. Okay. So you were probably in high school. Yeah. High school. On, going on to university. Exactly. Years. Okay. Yeah. And how has that impacted, I guess, the trajectory of the rest of your life up until now? Yeah, you know, it's kind of, again, made me value the importance of family. Mm -hmm. um, it's made me independent in, in many ways because not needing to rely on a male figure or, you know, my mom, what have you, you know, it's kind of made me look to learn things on my own and kind of be independent in that way. Um, of course, I'm not, I don't know everything, so I would certainly ask, but I think that, you know, out of that experience, I kind of was able to, you know, work two jobs. I was able to support my mom with her bills. I was able to pay for my own car, pay for my education. Wow. I didn't have to ask my parents for it. You know, I, I made my way. And, you know, that's what I, the kind of motto that I want to, carve the path for my my kids because it's so easy for us parents nowadays to kind of just 
give it to them. Mm-hmm. But what are they truly learning if they're not challenging themselves to and learning the value of money? So, right. I mean, that's the kind of message and and path that I want to lay forth for them. Um, because I think it's important, you know, it's, it's we as parents kind of want to always be there, make make our kids' lives easy, but also I think it's a, it's important for them to learn as well. So overall, I think, you know, you know, as challenging as it was um, not having my father around, you know, I, I still have that relationship with him. If I do see him, it's, you know, it's cordial. Right. Um, but right now it's more of me wanting to see that him build that relationship with my kids. It's, you know, I've, I've learned to forgive and not forget, <laughs> but, um, you know, I would never take his grandchildren away. So I think it's important and, you know, we're building on that. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's a work in progress. Yeah. Good yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. And how has your adulthood life been? And I, I understand that your childhood has played a huge role in what your adulthood is like. Um, how would you describe the rest of your adult life? Hmm. I think I, I would probably say, you know, trying to kind of one up myself if that makes any sense totally does you know at least with me (laughs) yeah like you know it's one thing to get that job and then a few years pass and you're like okay I want the next better job and then what's the next better thing over that and you know you're always pushing for more and I think you know that mindset is great (laughs) to a point and then you end up burning out and I feel Mm -hmm. like you know it's you it takes two there's different individuals that like that lifestyle and you know I, I was that person to up until recently, of course. And, um, you know, you soon realize, at least I did, that, um, you know, what's more worth it and more valuable to me is is my family time. So, you know, at the end of the day, if it's, if I'm at a job where I can be able to disconnect and kind of just be there with my family after I, I clock off, that to me is, is, you know, a perfect day. If I have to work, if I have to work late hours, you know, once in a while, that's fine. But, you know, if it's if it's definitely going to take away from my family time, not something I'm really looking forward to. So, yeah, uh, for me, it's just work like a great work life balance. That's important. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So I know um, this is a sensitive topic and I want to go into it because I think it will share I think it will inspire a lot of people in terms of how you overcame it. But you spoke a little bit about burnout. Um, So I want to go a little bit into burnout and what impact that has had on you emotionally, physically, and mentally in terms of your mental health. Yeah. So recently, as of last year, I kind of was at that point in the beginning of 20. 22, where you kind of had to reevaluate. Well, I was reevaluating what my next career path would be in, in terms of next steps. And at the point, I was with a company where I was a senior associate. And naturally, I'm thinking the next progressional path would be to become a manager. And so I challenged my boss at the time. And I had said, you know, what would it take for me to be a manager? And his words where it's it sticks with me every now and like to this day he's like you're not ready mm-hmm. he basically said you know you need more experience you need more qualifications um 
what whatnot. And so, you know, I challenged him and I said, well, it's funny because when I was hiring for your role as a manager, the qualifications that were listed in that job description, I'm doing 80% of them right now. And so when they, the employer basically said, no, manager is not uh, in line uh, in the near future, I, I had to seek elsewhere. Right. And so, you know, I landed back at a company I used to work with and as a senior manager and, you know, ecstatic, <laughs> really pumped for, for the role. For sure. But wasn't kind of um, the right fit. And so, you know, I'm I'm glad that I took that chance because it allowed me to kind of see if it was something that I would love to do, you know, in that specific role with that specific employer probably not the Mm -hmm. right right fit and that's fine you know it took a a big pill to swallow that but for now I've secured a job that I as an associate in in a role that I know that I can thrive in and I certainly enjoy the culture Um, and you know it's allowed me to kind of understand that you know money um doesn't mean more to me than being with my family. Because ultimately, last year, I was thinking of, you know, how to get what's the next best thing, what's going to bring more income to the to our home. And so naturally, in my mind, I'm thinking management, that's going to get me more Mm -hmm. money, which it did, you know, it was a it was a great, (laughs) um, you know, bump in salary, but wasn't worth it's true what they say, like, the grass isn't always greener on the other oh, side, right. 100%. And so, you know, taking on this role as an associate, I took a significant pay cut, but am 10 times more happier than Good. I was. Good. So, you know, for your listeners out there, you know, money can always be something that you aspire to obtain. And I challenge you for that. But at the same time, you know your worth, know what your values are, Um and just keep that in mind and, and don't let it, you know, cloud your judgment in terms of what your career path is going to be. Right. And do you feel that one of those roles is what contributed to your burnout or was it a combination of things? You know, initially, in my experience, I kind of was pointing the blame at the job, but I kind of had to take ownership on that because I, too, contributed to that by, you know, a lot of the... Um, expectations and the you know the goals and the things that I had to do I like I put that all on myself so I take ownership on that aspect but certainly the job did play a huge contributor in terms of stress for sure mm-hmm. um you know and so being able to kind of manage that and then manage like work and and your family and being there for yourself you know it's it's a lot it's a right. lot being able to kind of gel um balance all of it all at once and so um to answer your question it wasn't just just the job and I you know it took me a while to kind of be able to say that confidently right but it it was a combination of everything it it certainly played was a contributor but not the only contributor right yeah now in terms of your mental health how was your mental health impacted throughout all of this yeah so you know I have always been viewed as someone who's always busy. So, you know, from high school, I was always working two jobs and, you know, going to the gym, doing all the things, um, even on the weekends. Like I was constantly working. There was never... Go, uh, go, go. uh, It was always a go. I was always on the go. And so when, um, you know, I took on this new role, 
um, it was hard for me to maintain that go, 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 because it was a job that needed me to kind of be on top of things, be caught up in emails, you know, which meant working late hours, which meant me taking away time from my family, which meant me not being able to work out, which was more important to me. And I said before at the beginning of our conversation that, you know, being able to exercise was important because it's a, a, it's that me time for myself where I can just be at where it's quiet, everyone's asleep, and I can just do my own thing for a few hours before I have to put my mom hat on. And so it's, yeah, it's it's been certainly challenging um, because the job or that experience, sorry, uh, brought me to a place where I've never been before. Right. Um, and so it kind of brought me to, um, you know, an area that encompassed anxiety, depression, um, and suicide. And so, you know, I'm open, an open book about it now. Um, in the beginning, I was quite embarrassed about it. Because I would have never thought that someone like me would um, have gotten into that situation. And so when I found myself there, I was quickly trying to find myself out of it and trying to fight it on my own. And it was certainly hard because I've been able to fight things before on my own. But this time, I wasn't able to. And so... The first time my husband realized that I was going through a tough time, he kind of suggested that I, you know, admit myself to the hospital. Um, and as much as I didn't want to, um, it kind of was evident that I needed to. And so we admitted myself, I admitted myself in um, and ended up having to stay there overnight. And so when I got admitted, um, they put me into the psychiatric intensive care unit, which is basically a room that's pretty much isolated from, um, you know, the main ward. And in that unit is where you have other individuals that are in this one room all on its own. It's almost like a jail cell. Oh, wow. So you walk in and there's a bed with restraints and a window and the littlest light. Uh -huh. And you, well, at least the room I was in, you could peer out into the outside world. And then you had another window where your nurses and whoever can kind of peer in into your room to see that you're safe. Um, and my nurse at the time, I remember him, don't remember his name, but he basically, you know, explained, you know, gave me his name, explained, you know, how he's going to help during the time that he's with me. And the time that we got to know each other was very short. He kind of said to me, you don't belong here. Mm. <laughs> he, he's like, I am going to work to it by the end of my shift. I'm going to get you into the step down unit, which is the main ward for the um, um, mental health, mental health ward. And so as he kept to his word, <laughs> he got me a room. And so I was able to kind of go to the step down unit, but I had to stay overnight. So they gave me they started they gave me medication and they were monitoring me overnight and then I met my psychiatrist the next day who kind of you know questioned what brought me in um, 
kind of get an understanding of, you know, where I am at mentally. And uh, she encouraged me to stay. And I had said, no, <laughs> I'm not staying in here. I don't belong. And so, you know, again, I'm, that me just being that fighter saying I could totally do this on my own. Right. So she gave me some time off. Um, I was on sick leave for, I think it was three weeks. And she, and in those three weeks, it was actually very, it was that much harder because... Being home? Being home, yeah. Okay. Not doing anything. Hmm. I Like, because I'm supposed to technically be using that time for myself, you know, being able to recoup and be able to return back after three weeks. And so... You know, the first week I felt a little bit of relief because I'm like, oh, I don't have to go to work, all that. The second week I was like starting to get worried. I was like, oh, no, it's the three weeks is coming to an end. What's it going to look like? I have to go back to work. I hate that job, la, 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 the whole thing. And then when the third week came, almost towards the end, I started panicking. And I think it was about approaching my, yeah, it was actually approaching my 40th birthday and I was tossing and turning and I started getting really fidgety and my husband, everyone in the family could, could notice a difference in me. And I just made the decision that I needed to just um, admit myself again, mm -hmm. give myself the time to kind of really heal, get the help that I really needed. And so we called my psychiatrist and there was a bed that opened up. And the day after my 40th birthday, I went in and admitted wow. myself to the hospital. So I was there for, I think, eight or nine days. Not the way that I wanted to spend my 40th birthday. But, um, you know, it, it was certainly hard to kind of leave my kids for that long. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't really explain to them at, at that moment, like, where I was going we just said that I'm going to get help to get happy, to be happy again. And so, you know, they weren't able, my kids weren't able to see me, just the nature of the unit. Right. And so, but my husband was able to come, my family and whatnot. The one thing that was hard was that I wasn't able to see my mom. For her to get to the hospital was a little bit hard. And, you know, with it being a psychiatric um a mental health unit. Sorry, they were. You're only allowed to have one visitor. Okay. So that was fine. We were able. I was able to talk to her every day on the phone. But you know, meeting other individuals within that unit with the same that are going through mental health issues in varying degrees, you know, you kind of realize that doesn't matter <laughs> what age you are, culture. You know, it, it mental health it does not have any you know bearing on anybody it can really af affect anybody anyone anyone any yeah. age any at any moment and you know seeing individuals there kind of pushed me um again to fight harder and it's just like at the gym when you're in a group group setting you know i'm there competing against the next person next to me and uh, you know when i'm looking at these individuals that are trying to get out i'm like i'm gonna get out too and so you know when it was time for me to get discharged i was certainly proud of it and you know i i made a promise to myself that i would do whatever it needed to take to get back to recovering so you know that meant group sessions that meant journaling that meant you know focusing back on my exercise you know 
doing the little things and it just allowed me to realize again what's more important and and work on myself and you know what therapy I will be a strong advocate for it is a hundred percent so helpful agreed just to even talk to someone get your thoughts out let you digress it's certainly something I would encourage anyone to do because it helps to clear the mind it helps you look at life in a different perspective and just really kind of take it all in and and really be appreciative of you know just life overall that's just my opinion on that right yeah first and foremost i want to i just want to congratulate you for the work that <laughs> you put towards um your recovery and it's not linear yeah. It's not a one-time, let's go to the hospital, take some medication, and it's fixed. It, I think it happens in waves. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, you had to admit yourself twice. And it takes a lot for anyone to have to look at yourself and say, I need this. This is the help that I need that's appropriate for me at this time. Um, and I, good on you just for, for taking that step because it's not easy. And a lot of people don't get that help that they need Um, to your point some people feel embarrassed ashamed some people just don't want to admit that something's even wrong Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm curious for you how did you really know when something was wrong for you yeah when did you hit that limit for yourself when I didn't want to get out of bed when I didn't want to exercise 100% that was a red flag for me Um, even just responding to people in messages just wanting to go out. Like I didn't, I literally just wanted to stay home and, you know, pull over the covers over my body. My husband would never let it happen. He'd always say, it's time to get up. Like he knew something was was up, something was wrong, but um, really didn't know how to kind of identify it uh, until like our friend who is a social worker kind of spoke to him about it and kind of we brought brought things to light um and it wasn't until he became aware of the suicidal ideations that he said you know what it's time to time to get some help Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and do you feel that it was the initially depression and anxiety that contributed to the suicidal ideations it was sir i would say yes a com- combination of both but more so anxiety it my anxiety levels were through the roof um you know and i've been able to ha- handle levels of anxiety before but this just felt 10 times worse what was the difference for you it's it just felt like you have these butterflies in your stomach and it's like you're you're writing an exam every day like for me that's what it felt like um and it just the the anxiety couldn't it would never go away i would try to fall asleep and i couldn't because i'm constantly thinking of work um you know afraid that i'm gonna get let go get fired what people are gonna think about me and so you know at the end of the day I've I've learned now. I don't care what people think about me. Right? <laughs> I don't care. Like this is who I am. Take me for who I am. And you can just yeah. all you can do is be your best. Self exactly. Every day. Exactly. And that that was my exactly my point. Because at the end of the day, you know, if they can't see your worth, then it's not it's not worth both of your time. Today's episode is brought to you by Bridge Counseling and Psychotherapy offering services to couples and individuals. 
helping them explore their inner selves, discover strengths, and move towards living a life filled with balance and growth. They can help you address anxiety to mood disorders and so much more. For more information, visit bridgepsychotherapy.ca and book your free consultation today. And when you were experiencing what I'll call the butterflies in your stomach, did you experience that before and after the first time you were admitted? Yeah, I, I would say yes, but more so this, more so bef- the second before the second time of admission, for and sure. So when when it started to happen before the second time, how did it kind of escalate to a point where you're like, okay, you you've been through it before, mm. and you you were on medication, correct? Yep. After the first time, after the first time, yeah, they they had put me on medication the first time. Do you feel that the medication wasn't helping? Was it just not enough time? Probably not enough time to adjust when you're, to it. Yeah, when you're on it, it does take some time for it to kick in okay. to your system, which is another reason why when I was first admitted, the psychiatrist had said I strongly recommend that you stay longer so I can monitor you while you're on these doses to see that it's helping. But me being stubborn was like, no, I can do it on my own. Just give me the meds and I'll do it. I'll do it on my own. Um, And it's, it's ironic that we're talking about this now because, you know, (laughs) you, they say that, you know, once you're on these medications, you're supposed to be on it for a period of time. Um, and that, you know, you should wean off when in discussions with your therapist, your doctor, health care professional, what have you. And one of the challenges that I had with taking these medications is, one, that I don't like take medication. Right. Uh, you know, I'm a type of person that suffers through allergy season and I'll make myself suffer without taking anything unless I absolutely need it. And, you know, again, a lot, one of the side effects that comes with the medication, at least for myself, was weight gain. And, you know, there was comfort eating in there for sure. <laughs> but um, it certainly has let me gain a lot of weight. And so, which is why I'm, I'm really that much more into working out, trying to make sure I'm trying to get back. I'm not trying to be skinny. That's not the whole objective. The overall objective is for me to feel good in my clothes, which I currently don't. And so in saying that, I'm just going to be transparent that I made the decision on my own (laughs) to discontinue the medication, which this week I hit a low. (laughs) So um, I stopped taking medication on my own decision as of the beginning of this year, January of this year, in hopes that I would lose the weight. And I haven't been losing the weight um you know aside from eating healthy exercising what have you um and I did have a little bit of a suicidal passing thought it wasn't a a suicidal attempt in any regards but um it kind of freaked me out because I felt that I all my progress up until now has gone away and my friend had said it's just an event it doesn't mean that you're back to square one right but she's like you need to go go back on your meds so started taking my meds again (laughs) two days ago and so we'll see how are you feeling on your meds now you know to be honest I don't 
see a difference. I don't know. I don't feel a difference. Um, I mean, I don't know what it's doing inside me chemically. I'm sure it's doing what it needs to do. But, you know, I'm still going on my regular way. I'm waking up, doing the exercise. I'm going to work. I'm happy. Not like, you know, so... Well, I'll, you know, I promised my husband, I promised my family, my friends that I'd still maintain it, which, you know, at first I was reluctant to, but, um, you know, it's the safest thing to do for now. Right. Yeah. And is there, other than the fact that you generally don't like putting things in your body, Mm -hmm. such as medication, is there a specific barrier that makes you feel compelled to come off of the medication no, no barrier. It's just me you not know, feeling good in my clothes. And so, you know, it's just that's the only thing. Right. Yeah. There's no other thought that's making me want to not take it. It's just uh, other than the fact that I just don't like taking medication. So, right. Yeah. It's it's very hard. Um, I've had this conversation many, many times with different individuals, and there are some individuals who just, one, won't take the medication, mm-hmm. and some individuals who actually don't need the medication. Um, everyone is different. Yeah. I personally have had to take... Um, the only one I can recall at the top of my head is sertraline, also for anxiety, mm-hmm. um, and bipolar too. So sertraline... I felt the difference about six months in. It took a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason I ask you the question about wanting to come off it is because I remember feeling like I had to come off it because it was just this goal, this Mm. ideal situation. But when I tried to wean off the first time with my medical provider's consent, I felt the the difference drastically within one month. Within one month, I already felt the difference. So I went back on it. And this time I stayed on it for two years Mm -hmm. and it was much more helpful to come off it over a period of time, which was, I think it took almost a year to come off Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of the sertraline. But my life was drastically different before, during and after. In a positive way? In a positive way. Mm -hmm. But I had to learn it the hard way. Mm -hmm. Similar to you, you actually felt that low. I think that's the difference that you feel when Mm -hmm. you're off medication. So... I do want to break the stigma about medication for individuals. Certainly there are things that change you, such as body weight or how you see yourself and, you know, just your confidence. But when you look at the fact that it's life-changing, life-saving even, um, how do you view medication? And is it, other than the promise that you make to your friends and your family, is it worth it for you? I, you know, God is working his wonders right now because your comment is resonating with me. My husband said to me, is you not taking the medication worth your life and not seeing us like and not seeing your children myself? And, you know, of course, I had to say that, no, they are worth it. They are 100% worth it and so he you know kind of put me on the spot with love of course he said you know these are the decisions that you're he said the decisions that you decided when you didn't want to take the medication was certainly something you should have had like I should have had the discussion with him fine you know part of the reason why I probably didn't tell them is because I knew he was going to say no you're taking them (laughs) um but you know at the end of the day 
it was kind of a selfish decision, right? I made the decision on my own, not realizing the possible impact it could have on the others, on, on my family and others in my life. So, you know, stemming back to your question, uh, not really sure how to answer that. I think you just did. And, and you know, is it worth not seeing your family? Mm-hmm. And and you're saying no. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're, you, you do make that choice every day. Do I want to wake up tomorrow? Yeah. Do I want to mm-hmm. be happy? Mm-hmm. Do I want to be stable? Yeah. Do I want to be there for my kids? And I think those are the answers that are really easy for you to find when you subtract that it's medication that's helping you accomplish yeah. all of those yeah. things. Yeah. You know, it's 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 one of those <laughs> battles, right? You you don't want to take it, but there are positives to taking it. So, you Absolutely. know, it's like one of those things where you just have to kind of compromise, I think, in, in my situation at least. Um and you know what, if it just, again, like you said, if it means me waking up tomorrow, being able to see my family, I'll, I'll do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually, just for context for our listeners, when you did start taking medication um, at that point, how, were you already having suicidal attempts prior to, or did you have any after on medication as well? I, so prior to, yes, I had four attempts before medication. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the, and the last attempt was where I kind of, I tried to, yeah, kill myself in front of my mother. I was, yeah, that was a really hard time for her. And I, you know, I, I regret that she had to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the other time where I came home and I, walked up into my room and I tried to kill myself with a vacuum cord. So, you know, just thinking back, could I have done things differently? I'm sure I could have. But uh, when you're in going through the emotions and the thoughts of, you know, everything associated with anxiety, depression, and you just feel like, suicide is just going to solve everything you know I think it's important that you just reach out to anyone because if it wasn't for my husband my friends my family I truly believe I won't be wouldn't be here um and as many times that as I tried to you know go through with the thought they pushed me through, um, right past through that thought and were there to kind of hold my hand and push me through. So even up until today, you know, people are constantly checking up on me, which is really nice. And it makes you realize, you know, the people that really do love you in your life, because it's not that you need everyone's like phone call, you know, it's just someone checking in and saying, you know, how are things going? And I think that's important. You know, that's a that's an important message that everyone tries to say, especially around, you know, mental health is just to check on, on your loved ones because right. you never know. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that you just mentioned that because, you know, earlier we were talking about tangible medication. Yeah. But then there's also this other side of medication, which is your support system, mm-hmm. your network. Yeah. And I feel like 
that played an even bigger role mm-hmm. in your life and in the episodes that you that you've had because had it not been for your friends or your family how do you get to a point where you're admitting yourself to the hospital? Yep. You wouldn't be able to do that without mm-hmm. them. How do you get to a point where you're on your medication or staying on your medication? Yep. That's also the support of your family. 100%. So I want to talk a little bit more about the role that they played. How helpful has it been for you to have them in your corner? And do you feel safe having them around? Yep, 100%. You know, it's my husband My, my has been my rock from the beginning. And, you know... It's certainly been challenging for him to have to be strong for me, uh, for the kids, and for himself because, you know, trying to do that, do play all those hat, wear those hats while I was in the hospital was certainly hard. You now grateful for family around. We had my mom, my mother-in-law come to stay, you know, help certain nights, help with dinner, help with the kids. My sister-in-law came. Everyone chipped in, and that's the value of family. Now, you know. In addition to him and and my family, was certainly my my friends, my core support system, and um, you know one specific friend that I I that comes to mind right now is she's a social worker um, by profession, and she although she couldn't treat me because of ethical issues, she has been uh, my you know that number one cheerleader in the corner as well and you know even through this past week's episode of me not taking my medication she she knows as as frustrated as I was about going back on it you know she said she's there to remind me that she loves me that we're here everyone's here for me and you know there is a reason why and to be honest I grew up Catholic and I'm not an active practicing Catholic but she reminded me to have faith in God and that when two people pray, God listens. And every time that I prayed with her or I prayed with someone else, everything's come to fruition. It's, it's surreal. And, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, poach or preach, you know, faith on, on anybody, but, you know, I, I do see the value in it uh, as well. Cause it's been one of my um, key tools um, in navigating through a lot of the, the difficult times I've had. And you feel the difference. 100%. Good yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Do you think you're, it's even helping you just find your way back to God in your faith? Yeah, you know, in some ways, yes. And, you know, it's, it's again, God throws things in the moments that it's needed. And today my cousin had sent me this post about a little girl who grew up and then ended up having these thoughts and and aspirations to constantly be skinny. And I remember watching the video and at the end it said something along the lines of this is just to remind me that remind you that you're beautiful in your own body and I'm like you know I said to my cousin I'm like God told you to send that to me for right. a reason. And so, you know, Again, just to be mindful of that. And, you know, it, it just helps me get through the day and kind of shifts your mind on things, you know? So it's almost like something speaks to you yeah. in the exact moment that you need it exactly. without looking for exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's something that can be explained. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of it as you're speaking. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just 
it just happens, mm-hmm. whether it's God or the universe, but yeah. something is just pulling you in a direction in, of where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's here with us. Yeah. Yeah. And um, speaking of the tough times, you mentioned that, you know, things just happen, whether it's a post or someone sending you something that that resonates with you. How do you get through the really tough times? Um, how does it feel and how, what prompts you to keep going? Hmm. Again, <laughs> you brought a topic up at just the right time. Um, you know, so going through group sessions, I've learned a lot of tools of how to navigate through stressful situations and whatnot. And so to answer your question, um, you know, going through a tough situation or a tough moment or experience, you know, what I find myself now doing is kind of pausing, you know, catching myself in that moment and trying to, as my therapist says, you're you're supposed to allow, let your body feel the emotion. Um, and then you kind of have to kind of like peel the onion and like understand what is being a trigger. Um, is it something that, you know, was it, what's the stem of this trigger? And as you kind of put yourself in that situation, it obviously takes uh, practice. Um, you kind of use those tools. So you're breathing, um, stepping away from the moment, whether it be splashing water in your face, what have you, anything during a difficult time, just to kind of get you out of that negative headspace, negative experience, what what have you, and then kind of having to step back in and after being, you know, digressing and, and letting it all go. Um, that's kind of what I've been doing. You know, at the end of the night, I, I do find myself meditating, okay. um, kind of reflecting on the day and then kind of identifying on things that I want to keep in my life and what I want to let go of. And so I think it's important, you know, even if it's in the morning, five minutes, what are you grateful for? You know, I'm great. And even if it's the same things, at least it starts the day off with that positive, positive mindset. Um, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a good tool. Anyone can really do at the beginning, you wake up, you're, you're, you know, you're grateful for another day. What are you, what are you grateful for today, for tomorrow, what have you? It's, it's just something that I've been doing as of late. So it's helped me. That's amazing. And I think I, I definitely want to share with with the listeners that when I used to have a hard time meditating, I actually spoke to you about it and you said, you don't need to, you don't have to beat yourself up mm-hmm. about thinking of other things while you're trying to meditate. Yeah. If you have another thought, you have another thought, you let it go, you start over mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of hear your voice every time I meditate and have a different thought. Right yeah. now, I'm just, you know, in the early stages of starting this business and this podcast, my mind doesn't sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm in any negative space, but it's not getting any rest. Yeah. So I try to meditate at least twice a day. And every time I have a thought, I'm like, oh, like I just get frustrated yeah. with myself. But then I remember when when you and I sat down for coffee once and I told you how frustrating it was to meditate, you told me you're like, you could just let the, the thought go, start over and keep going. You know, it's one it's interesting because I'm working with a with a coach right now and she said something very wise to me. She's like, You can if you have a thought, just acknowledge it. Acknowledge that it's there and let it go. 
Right. And, you know, these experiences aren't battles. They, you know, these emotions, these frustrations that you have, they're not battles with yourself. It's okay to acknowledge them and kind of be at one with them. But also, it, when you acknowledge them and you accept them, it's easier for it, for you to let go of it. Absolutely. It takes, for me anyway, mm-hmm. it takes the pressure yeah. off having to focus on nothing. Exactly. It was really hard for me mm-hmm. for years mm-hmm. up until you told me, just let it go. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so it's okay to have them. Yeah. And I felt so much better about the entire process mm-hmm. of meditating. Yeah. And now I'm only starting to see the value of it. I've been doing it for maybe two years. Yeah. But it was when you told me that it was okay to have whatever thought comes to mind. That's when I started to see real progress. Yeah. And there's so many different types of meditations out there. That's true too. You know, one of the ones that I like is is more of the guided medica- meditation. Um, that helps me because then my mind's not constantly wandering because I'm listening to what they're telling me to do, but also trying not to fall asleep at the same time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, anyway, like, I, you know, I challenge your viewers to kind of try. Just try it. Yeah. You never absolutely. know. And, there, you know, you could do it for five, a minute, two minutes, what have you. Just it, it really is beneficial. And again, it's not the first, second and third time you're going to see the benefits of it. You just got to keep doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of resources out there now on how to do it. Yeah. So if you ever feel lost, don't know where to start, there's tons of books, YouTube videos. Um, I currently use an app called Waking Up by Sam Harris. Um, it's very helpful. And I think if, you know, the more you allow yourself to try things mm-hmm. and just be okay with wherever your mind's at, I think the, the more you'll find some some progress. Yeah. But. And it's it's so interesting because ever since, like I said to myself, like, you know, when I went to the hospital, like, this is not how I wanted to spend my 40th birthday. And I'm like, you know what? My 40th birthday could have been worse. I mean, it was very challenging for sure. But this year, 2023, is a year of the yes for me. So I'm open to all experiences, saying yes to anything and everything, because, you know, tomorrow you're not guaranteed. Exactly. And so, you know, if that means you <laughs> wanting to register yourself for a 42,000, 42, 42 you do uh, K it. marathon, you do it. <laughs> you know, you've never done it before, but hey, so... That's amazing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about medical care. Were there any pros and cons that you've seen in your care over the last year, primarily, but even prior to, um, if there's any experiences that you can recall, but is there anything that you would like to see that you didn't see in the process of your recovery? You know, I can answer that two ways. From my experience, um, I I really feel, again, I don't mean to <laughs> preach, I really feel God was on my side because when I needed the help, it was there. It was there for me and I didn't have to wait. And I'm so grateful for that. I mean, there were moments where, yes, I did have to wait, but it wasn't, it, were, it wasn't as significant times as I know people out there right now are, are having to deal with. Um, so I was very fortunate in that regard. But yes, to answer your question, one of the things that I would like to see change is uh, is wait times. And so right now I'm volunteering with Lake Ridge Health um, and with their mental health team, um, they also said that one of the challenges that they are facing is is, um, wait times. 
and the nonprofit organization that I'm with as well. That is our vision as well. We're looking to reduce the wait times, you know, providing care to individuals um, that can't afford it. And, you know, with the notion of reducing the wait times as the one um, vision for for the nonprofit. That's so, incredible. You know, I, I just feel that, you know, getting the resources that somebody needs when it has to do with mental health can be the deciding factor of what happens to that individual, exactly. you know? So, and I get it. Our healthcare is stretched so thin across all areas. It's just, you know, getting those resources where we need them most is, is what will help to, in my opinion, alleviate some of the wait times. But again, with that comes certain, uh, certainly a lot of challenges as well. Right. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to address here, mm -hmm. um, not only on this podcast, but some of the initiatives that yeah. The Lemon said has happening. Um, our goal is not only to financially support existing nonprofits um, for mental health and, you know, contributing to hospitals who provide mental health care, but also over time, I think the idea is to alleviate um, some of our healthcare providers by providing more resources through podcasts. Um, my website will definitely have a plethora of resources that individuals can use from tools to contact information. If there is an emergency situation, there are 24-hour helplines. So I think the more we leverage other tools available, um, hopefully the healthcare system won't be as backed up. Right. Um, and I think also just peer support, kind of like what we're doing now, we're, mm. we're just talking about it. But I think it helps people. I, it definitely helped me to mm -hmm. hear to hear your story and to talk to you about it the first time, because it shed a lot of light into what I can do for myself. Yeah. And, you know, that that helped me. I, I didn't have to go to the hospital for a second time. I had been admitted in the past. I didn't have to go this time because that conversation helped me a lot. And I think um, I th I personally believe that you're going to help a lot of people just just talking to everyone through this podcast. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm reaching I'm open to reaching out to anyone out there, um, you know, and, you know, I've spoken to you about it already. And, and in conjunction with the nonprofit, you know, I was asked to do a documentary on my experience. And having said that, once it launched, the number of individuals that kind of reached out to me was, I'm, I was very amazed. And not that it's about male or female, what have you, because again, mental health affects anybody. It primarily was men that reached out to me. And, you know, I found myself asking myself, why? Why more men than women? Because I just assumed it would be more women. And, you know, in speaking with my friend at the nonprofit, she kind of said, well, you know, when you think about it, going through mental health and being male, it, there's that stigma, right? And so one individual that reached out to me was a former colleague of mine. And he said, your story is, I'm going to share something with you that I never even shared with my own family. And he's like, and, and this is the reason why. And he opened up about his own mental health experience. And, um, you know, I was very amazed with how detailed he kind of, well, the details that he shared, because I was like, if you never shared this with your family, like, thank you for, you know, being an open book, because, 
you know, it's, it's, it's being in a setting where you are able to kind of um, provide that platform for individuals to kind of share their experience without being judged is certainly um, an added tool that people can utilize. And so I'm working right now with the nonprofit to becoming a certified peer supporter. Um, and so, you know, being able to kind of um, encourage others to um, fight through their own journey you know, see the value of, of life and, you know, navigate through the system and, and see what tools they can use to kind of work through their own experience. That's incredible. Mm. Congratulations for not only being so brave to get through your own journey, but to help others too. What inspires you to help others? Yeah, I, I, I've always been a giving person, you know, I would rather buy something for someone over myself. And so, you know, I, this experience made me realize what its purpose was. And I feel it was truly to help others out there. And it's coming to light because, you know, being just recently being asked by um, one of the hospitals to be a guest speaker um, at, a, at an event. And so I was quite honored when I got that phone call today. And so, you know, being able to do this podcast with you and, and hopefully reach out to other individuals out there, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to, to share and, and talk to others out there about my own experience and then listen to theirs as well. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I really do feel that your story is just so impactful, but I think you're going to do so much great work with all the volunteer work that you're doing yeah. and just being open to hearing other people's yeah. stories. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, I'm very surprised. I, thought I was going to shed a tear and I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the more you talk about yeah. your experience, yeah. the easier it becomes 100%. to overcome it. Mm -hmm. And it also becomes more comfortable. Yep. And, you know, that that shame that you mentioned earlier in the beginning, every time you talk about it, it starts to just shed. Yeah. Like, what am I ashamed of? Yeah. This I'm is a story proud. that's changing the world. Yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I keep saying not that I'm tooting my own horn every day, but shoot, I'm proud of where and I've you come. should be. Yeah, I yeah. think you you definitely own that right to be proud mm -hmm. and, and good for you. Yeah. And I'm proud of you too. Yeah, if thanks. I haven't said that already, <laughs> um, there's one thing I wanna I wanna talk about. We kind of touched on stigmas around medication, but just before we wrap up, I do want to talk about the stigma around mental health and raising awareness for some individuals who may not have had an experience with depression or anxiety directly or indirectly in the past. Often when when someone experiences depression, they're kind of faced with triggers that mm -hmm. people are not aware of. Sometimes you're not even aware of what your triggers are. And I think you mentioned that earlier. You have to kind of dig deep and yep. try to discover what's behind a certain emotion mm -hmm. that's, you know, prompting you to feel a certain way. But what when people say, well, was, what is it that makes you feel sad? What made you depressed? Mm -hmm. Or how did it happen? Like, do you not see how good your life is? There are a lot of comments mm -hmm. that come when you're feeling depressed. And sometimes they're not the right ones. Yeah. I want to ask you just to help us understand what types of questions do you feel might be insensitive or inappropriate when someone is actually in the thick of their depression and anxiety? Yeah. You know, it's I you've you touched on a few of the comments like, what are you really sad about? You know, 
like you have it good. You have a you have a house. You have a job. You know, a good paying job. You have a husband, a loving husband. You have kids. What do you What are you sad about? You know, and it's like. <laughs> I think obviously those sorts of sorts of comments in for an individual that's going through an experience like I was going through is certainly insensitive, but in all fairness, what do they, they don't know, right? You, someone that's going through depression from the outside, you can't necessarily tell from someone looking outside in, you know, and that's, that's the issue too, right? It's, it's, and that's why it's important for, the message that we should be checking up on our on our loved ones. Now, you know, in terms going back to your question in terms of what questions might be it, it's a tough one because every you don't know how everyone's going to react. Mm-hmm. You know, that the a question of is how are you today which seems so generic can be a trigger. Mm-hmm. because someone may have had like the worst day ever and then they're bawling and then it might be that in itself might be a trigger later down the night that night that day so i think to be I, I don't really know how to answer your question but the fact that just be mindful of the verbiage you use be cognizant of your tone i think the tone is certainly important as at least in my experience to remove that judgment from the tone. Yeah. I think more so if I were to say to you, how's your day today versus how's your day today? Yeah. I think it changes a lot of how you perceive it. Exactly. So when you're coming from a place of caring and mm-hmm. true genuine curiosity, I think that might change things. Exactly. Um, but I think to your point, what you're saying is also, I think everyone needs to ask a question with the understanding that you don't know what they're going exactly. through. So just to tread lightly yeah 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 and i think you know just being cognizant of that whether someone's going through depression or not in reality right it's it's how you position your your words that can be a positive or a negative um impact on someone right Mm -hmm. um i also want to talk about some of the personality traits that you feel might have helped you overcome this? Are there personality traits that either come naturally to you to help you overcome depression and anxiety? Or are, or are there some habits that you've had to acquire that kind of changed what your personality traits were? Yeah, so the traits that I had, well, I had and still have, you know, I'm very competitive when it comes <laughs> to, you know, doing what's best for me mm-hmm. um you know being independent also is something that i love about myself um so those things certainly helped me through but what what i definitely had to kind of change in my my mind my life is uh kind of not is kind of to learn to relax you know i, I it's easy to say, but for someone like me that's always just been on the go, the concept of relax is was very hard. Like when COVID started and we were all the locked during the lockdown and you couldn't go out, that that kind of hit me a bit because I always wanted to be out of the house. And my husband would always say, he's like, we just moved into this beautiful home. Why can't we just stay in and appreciate it? And if it wasn't for COVID, I actually probably wouldn't 
appreciate the home as much as I did had I been uh, before even let's just say COVID didn't even happen you know it's just again and then the COVID allowed me to be more present with my family you know and I think maybe I mean I keep saying this but maybe it just happened for a reason for all of us to kind of just be aware of what's be grateful of what, what we have right um but going back to your question I think also just trying to <clears throat> take the, be more present you know be more grateful for what you have and learning to kind of as like my therapist would say everything is not all or none and when when I say that she what she's trying to remind me is you know you have five things on your list to do you don't have to do all five things today you know it's okay so to what do if two exactly so what if you don't do all five today is the world gonna end because you didn't do them all today and you know, I, I had that message said to me many times growing up, but me being me, me being my mother's daughter, I just like to check things off my list as, a, as most individuals might, uh, you know, resonate with that comment. But I can relate. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, being a busy mom and trying to get the most of your day so that you don't have you can actually have a day to relax is kind of what I always thought like I would have a rigid cleaning schedule a rigid workout schedule and a grocery schedule and then and then when you have two kids you're trying to fit all the things in that open space and then where's the time for your husband and where's the time for yourself and so you know as you begin to grow up and be an adult you know adulting um, a lot of it is kind of having to make that balance and so you know I had to learn to kind of pivot and learn that so what if the washrooms don't get clean today on a Wednesday <laughs> Thursday whatever it's so true it will get clean when you have time you know what I mean you're and like my husband says we're not living in filth right so it will get done when you get to it right yeah so you know I think that's important. And, you know, as a joke aside, I value my dishwasher because I was the one person that would say, you know, I'll only run the dishwasher once a week because I think it's going to save me money. And then when <laughs> when you see those commercials and they're like, if you actually run your dishwasher every day, it actually saves you more money than you running it or you washing your dishes, it's whatever true. the thing is. I've calculated. But, um, <laughs> but I don't know what was, I don't know. I you know, I'll encourage everyone to use a dishwasher every day. Saves the time for you standing there washing. Again, that time's with your family. And exactly. Again, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I have to just say, I laughed hard when you talked about the bathroom example, because <laughs> that has been killing me for about a week and a half now. I've been begging my partner to <laughs> clean the toilet. Um, it got to a point where I didn't want to use it anymore because it was so dirty. But, you know, I, I'm a lot like you in terms mm -hmm. of our personality traits. And sometimes when I see it, everything starts to kind of, I, get, I feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. it's not just the toilet. Yeah, it's, it's everything It's else. the toilet, <laughs> it's the bedroom, it's the laundry. Yeah. Everything comes, like the toilet was my trigger, but then a lot of other things come. Mm -hmm. And like you, I'm grateful to have a partner who can remind you to take a step back yeah. and say, the world's not going to end. Mm -hmm. I'll clean it tomorrow. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, 
So I think, you know, earlier when you were talking about things speaking to you at the right time, you just did that for me. So thank you. (laughs) Um, Last question for listeners who really resonate with your story or who might have experienced or are experiencing something similar to you. What advice would you leave them with? Um, You know, I think it's important to know that it's okay. You know, what you're going through is real and allow yourself to experience it, allow yourself to accept it, and then allow yourself to get the help that you need. And even if it means you stepping outside of your comfort zone and just speaking to someone, let that be an opportunity for you to get the help you need, get the direction and, and, and into where you need to go to the next steps of your recovery. Because without a helping hand, you, you know, you, you may or you may not be able to kind of push through to the next level. So you're growing that support system is important in your recovery process. And I think that is certainly a message I would like to, to pass on. And it's okay to, to, to not do it on your own. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. For sure. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. It was very valuable for me and I think for our listeners as well. Um, I truly hope it inspires a lot of people, but I'm, I'm really excited for the great work that you're going to do with, with your motivational speaking um, and just the journey that we have together in, in years to come. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you again for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. Bye for now, and don't forget to make lemonade. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical diagnosis or treatment. Listeners are encouraged to seek assistance from healthcare professionals on thelemonsed.com or your nearest healthcare network. Crisis helplines are available to you 24 hours a day. Audio for the Lemonsed podcast was engineered and brought to you by Shoreline Sound Studios.